Hello everybody, it's Doug Lynch from the Smack Jellybean Podcast Madness. We are in Sydney, we're on the last day of the conference and I have the pleasure of inviting Mwice Chaluba to the podcast. Hello Mwice. Hello Doug. Now, <clears throat> Mwice, you're here as one of the Smack Reach candidates, the people that have come across from various countries around the world. It's like a United Nations of wonderfulness. It's been a fantastic experience having you here at the conference. I think you've really added a completely different energy to it. And so, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I wish I could take credit for bringing you over here, but it's actually the organizing committee and good on them. Can you please tell the people that are listening where you're from, what you do for your day job, and we'll take it from there. All right. I'm an emergency physician from Zambia, um, which is a country with four million, 14 million people at the moment, about 14 million people. 14? Yes. Wow, okay. And currently, I'm the only emergency physician working in the government, uh, in the government hospitals. Yes. Right. Okay. The yeah. only... Government-employed emergency physician in yes. the country. Okay, uh, is there is there a separate public and private health service? So we do have um, pub public and private, and most of our patients, of course, they'll have to source um, pu public yes, hospitals. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So where did you train as an emergency physician? I trained in South Africa. Okay. So this is a four-year program. Yep. Yeah. So I went there in 2011, came back 2015. Okay. Yes. And I've been working since 2017. Right. Yeah. So are you in charge of the department? Yes. I'm working at the second biggest hospital in the country, which is Ndola Teaching Hospital. And I am the head of department for the only emergency department in the country that has an emergency physician. Uh, with a more organized system in place. Yes. yes. And so the let, let's talk about how the other people do emergency in, in your country as opposed to what you're doing. In regional centers and other hospitals, what is it like a really an outpatient clinic or more like a general family medicine type package? What do other people get? Do they just go to the hospital or if there's no culture of emergency medicine? What's, what's, what was it like before? So before what used to happen is, uh, let me just say the organization of our health system. Yeah, yeah. So we have the smallest organization would be a rural health center, which goes to then the, followed by a clinic, a district hospital, then um, general hospital, central hospital, and then teaching hospital. Right, okay. So working in a more urban area like I am, we have clinics, district hospitals, and then the teaching hospital. So patients in those low facilities uh, will have to go to the clinic and there's essentially no triage system there. So the nurses just have to look out who looks like they're very sick and then they pick them out and then they have to assess and then see how best they can manage them. And if they feel the patient needs to come to the hospital, then they'll send the patient through to the hospital. Okay. And in most hospitals, that's what, happening at the moment but we since I moved in, back to the country and started working for in the government we've tried uh, um, the what the government has done is because uh, my hospital is more organized yes. so it's like um, that's where they're trying to ask everyone to come and see how we are working out the system yep. and then they're picking up a few things starting with something as simple as triage 
Yes. Yes. So most of the hospitals are picking up the triage system, mm. but what happens afterwards is something else. Okay. Yeah. So let's say that I'm sure there's some brilliant physicians out there, but it must be a bit hit and miss. So some places are good, some places have no staff, so, you know, this sort of thing. So tell me about what you've been doing in your hospital in terms of trying to set up this emergency department. Give me a picture for like how many doctors you have, how many beds you have, how many nurses you have, this sort of thing. Okay, so my emergency department has... Um, well, we know you've got one emergency one. position. Yeah. <laughs> So it's one emergency physician, and I don't have permanent doctors right. attached to the department. So it, I'm, I'm given like four doctors yep. who are in a specialist training program that's hospital-based. It's not like they're attached to a university or a college. They are um, attached to the hospital. So if there's an, a specialist in that field, says uh, ops and gynae, yep. um, we're we not... Um, a pediatric hospital, so it's ops and gynem, internal medicine, surgery. Yep. Then they'll have to like come through the emergency department just to equip them with the critical skills, and yep. then they go back. To and how long would they typically stay in the department? Would they be it's um, three months. Three months. Yes. Okay. So these are uh, people that are a couple of years post training, or so post graduate year one, post graduate year two, yes. or so. Our internship is about eighteen months. Yep. 18 months to 24 months, depending on if a person trained um, abroad or within the country. So um, some of them have been like <coughs> barely a year out of internship, and some of them have been a few years after post-internship. So right. they're the ones who have to come through the department for okay. that attachment. And do they like the emergency medicine experience? Well, it's a scary thing, but yes. it's not something that they are trained at undergrad. So they one to start with, they feel like they don't belong because they are not specializing in that unit. Yep. But uh, I have to convince them that the patient in front of them might be somebody from their specialty. Mm. So how do they handle such a case in their own department? Okay. They don't have to start calling somebody when this, they are equipped with a few skills mm. to save their life before somebody else comes in. Right. Yeah, so slowly I'm trying to win them into working. And how about the more established uh, specialties in, say, your hospital and in the bigger community? I mean, do you get support from the surgeons and the obstetricians and gynecologists and the internal medicine physicians? I mean, do, do they like the fact that emergency has turned up, or are, how is that going? Um, I think they are now appreciating the system because I don't just um, see critically ill patients. It's everyone who comes through the door. Yeah. So we have uh, a delivery pack because... Uh, Ops and Guyanese are on the first floor. We are yep. on the ground floor. Yep. So we have a delivery pack. And a number of times we've received women in the... Last in, stage of labor. La yeah. Actually, they're delivering, delivering by the doorstep. Okay. So, and then we have patients who are coming in with postpartum hemorrhage, and we have to start treating them there and then. Yep. We have eclamptic patients coming through the door. So there's no luxury of trying to get them upstairs. Yep. And when we start managing them downstairs, then it's easy for to inform the obstetrician, like, oh, we have this patient, can you just get them to yeah. theater or something yeah. like that? So it's working for everyone. Okay, so yeah. they, they, uh, they're they just seeing the benefits, Yeah. even if they weren't so sure at the beginning. They didn't know what was happening. Now they go there. In fact, I'm actually advocating for everyone because um, we were not the kind of people who run for emergencies, mm. but this time around, everyone is forced to run because mm. uh, they don't want that mortality to be on their hands. 
Yeah, okay. All right. So you've got a few junior doctors, right? Yes. That aren't necessarily on an emergency program, so no. they're not career emergency physicians. No. Um, and how about nurses? I have uh, two critical care nurses. Okay. Yes. And they've come from a training program? Within the country, yes. Within, okay, cool. Yes. So they... Um, one is in the medical section of the unit, and then the other one is the, the resuscitation room. Right. So these these are the ones who are helping me most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm not around, at least I know that there's a critical care nurse on the floor who is yeah. going to help out with a few things. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And then do you have other uh, non-critical care training nurses? Yes, we've got enrolled nurses like that's the certificate level, and then we've got the diploma, which is a registered nurse. Okay. And we try and as much as possible to equip them with the knowledge and skills so that if the critical care nurses are not around, then we know that the other nurses can take up Step that up. Yeah. Okay. Do you know roughly the number of nurses that, uh, that your nursing team have got? Oh, we have about 30 nurses. 30, okay. Yes. So the next question I suppose would be, how many patients come through on a day on average, do you know? So we have um, about 120, somewhere there. On a daily basis. Okay. That's just the emergency department okay. without the ambulance. Because we also have what we call the hospital-affiliated clinic that's yeah. for walk-in patients. Okay. Yeah. So when you say 120, you're talking about people that are quite significant deal. That'll be higher triage yes. numbers or, well, you know, one, two, and three or whatever. Oh. Okay. Right. And that's amazing about the... is. Can I ask you, large numbers of peri... Um, you know, uh, was obstetric complications, obviously. Yeah. Is that because they were thinking about coming to that hospital because it's a, an obstetric hospital that's one of the services they provided? Or are they people that would just turn up anywhere? I mean, I presume their antenatal care isn't as developed as it might be. I, so we have the clinics around the yeah. teaching hospital that can handle most of the primary care. Yeah. So most of the complications in emerging in obstetrics yeah. are coming from the clinics themselves yeah. and then also from the rural areas within the province. Right. So what we have is um, we have the walk-ins. Yeah. They don't have any, they've never been seen at the hospital yeah. before. And then we've got the high-risk patients coming from the clinics. Yeah, or if up. a patient complicates at the clinic, then the clinic will have to inform us. Mm. And the beauty about it is that the hospital is currently running an ambulance system. Okay. So we have all the ambulances for the district stationed at the hospital. So like we're central and then we know what cases, especially obstetric cases, yeah. are out there. And then the hospital will be activated, the obstetrician on call will be activated. Yeah. If there's anything that we can prepare before the patient is picked. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's excellent. I mean, but the, um, all right. So now you're in the situation where you are the hero emergency physician of the whole country, which is not, I'm sure, the job that you wanted. I mean, we, you know, okay. <laughs> so no, she's absolutely not. Um, what... Is there pressure on you now to not only develop your own hospital system, which is you know obviously moving very fast, but there's still lots to do. I mean, yes. do you then have to then create a training system to bring through new doctors? I mean, what what's the next step? Yes, training has everyone has been drumming training. You know, start training people, start training people. Yeah. I've always said it's not as straightforward. No, because. I can I can tell you South Africa is very developed in terms of emergency medicine. So and when people think of emergency medicine, everyone has their opinion. Some think it's just trauma, others think it's just a medical condition, somebody having a heart attack and all those mm. things. 
But emergency medicine starts from the community. So we have a sick patient in the community, then we have a paramedic who has to go and pick up the patient, then we have the emergency department itself, and then what follows afterwards. So that system is not quite developed. No. So that's, the, what, that's what I've been trying to tell everyone. Like, look, yes, I'm happy to teach, but it will only be emergency department. What about the pre-hospital? What about afterwards? Who takes yeah. care of the patient afterwards? I don't have a neurosurgeon where I'm working at. I don't have a cardiothoracic. I don't have vascular surgeon. So who yeah. takes care of the patient? So is it just, I mean, like you were saying that your, your government hospital is the second biggest hospital. Yes. And are you in the capital, sorry? Uh, no, 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 it's not the capital. Okay. It's um, mining province. Okay. Yes. So... <coughs> The, the it's, uh, these other specialties are in other hospitals. So we, for you, I mean, like neurosurgery can't essentially they, they can't come to your hospital. It's just not mm. there. They don't have the equipment. Not, they just it's don't. It's not in the province. Yeah. Oh, the only the province, province has, that has is the capital. Is the capital? Yeah. Right, okay. So that's about seven hundred kilometers away. Right, and I would assume the transport there is essentially all but else. impossible. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay, so I think you're, I understand your point. I think you absolutely have to kind of get your own house in order because you can't yeah. bring somebody in and teach them emergency medicine when you haven't actually got your department where you want it to be. You know, you want to have it like that. When you have it the way that it's good enough, you say like, this is worth learning, right? Yes. I've got this settled down. I've got my nurse unit manager. I've got, my, um, you know, somebody that's working right beside you, a team. Exactly. But you, you can't do it as one person, right? No, 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 no. no, no. But the pressure is on. I mean, that's interesting that you say that. When you say everybody's asking you, are you setting up a emergency program? Is that pressure that you're getting at home, or is it pressure that you, when you come here, is uh, lots of people like me asking you that question? Is it which one is it? So at home, they're asking me. They are asking question you. Have, you've been oh, well. People around have been asking me that question because they're seeing like the East Africa emergency. Emergency medicine is developing quite fast. Yeah, like I was talking to Pendo George from Tanzania, and, she, and she, they're getting on quite quickly. Yes. Yeah, but you've and got more work to do. Yeah, and that's because they had um, experts come into the country and they worked with them. Yeah. In in my case, actually, I just quit my job where I was working, mm. and then I packed my bags and went to South Africa. It wasn't even like uh, government you, sent you did me. it yourself. Yes, oh. and by then nobody knew what emergency medicine was, so. Four years down the line, that's when they sent people. So there are four other doctors who are in residency in South Africa. Ah, Gambit. Yes. Gambit. So I'm hoping that they can come through, then we can start a faculty. Yes. But the best I can offer at the moment is um, a diploma. So it's something I can, I'll have to go and advocate from a college. Yep. Hopefully, maybe the College of South Africa, they have a diploma. Yep. And I have to see how best, because it's just, it's not like, um, the candidates have to sit in a class or anything. Yep. All they need is to have their small, short courses yep. and have to work in an emergency department. Logbook or something? Some, or, yeah, yes, yeah. They, they need a logbook. Yeah. And then from then, then they can write at least um, the diploma exam. Yep. Yes. So the, what I've been really learning from talking to the SMAC Beach people, people of course, for example, the Tanzanian experience and of course the South African and Zimbabwe experience, Uganda I guess as well, so East Africa and then Southern Africa, the nations around there, the countries have come together and they're forming these regional groups. Yes. Is there anything happening around your country, outside your country, your neighbours? What's there? Um, in my country at the moment, we are trying to set up a society and it's easy to join other big groups if you're a society. Yes. Yes. So um, there is um, Dr. Craig Brown who's yep. in the capital Osaka and he's the one who's, uh, well, there's a paramedic school that has just been opened so he's trying to run the school 
and there's a pulmonologist and an anesthetist. So they are trying to come up with the emergency medicine society of Zambia. So that's what we're working on at the moment. And we can see if we can uh, join up something like AFM and then the regional ones. Right. Yeah. And that's that, I mean, like that, that interesting that, I mean, essentially, you kind of have to set up a society in Zambia yes. first. Yeah. Right. I mean, again, which would be, uh, you know, a serious, a serious job in yes. itself. It is. If you didn't have to see 120 patients and all the walk-ins and organize the ambulance service and <laughs> yes. so on and be the only and emergency physician. And disasters on top of that. Well, exactly. And I'm yeah. sure they do. They, so what sort of, uh, outside, let's talk a little bit about your patient group in terms of, because like, this is the part where everybody will get. So you, we talked a bit about the obstetrics. What are the other major groups of patients that you're coming through? So we have a lot of um, medical patients. In fact, m most of the load is on the medical patients. Mm. So they, we are, our HIV, malaria, and TB are quite big in my country. Yeah. So we still have patients who are coming in like they don't know about any of that. Yeah. Of course, there's, um, try, there's vector control for malaria, yeah. but it seems like when it's the season for malaria, it, like, it doesn't malaria. exist. Yeah. And HIV, TB, these are conditions that have been there for a while. The medication is there and it's free, but yeah. still see a lot of people coming right. in critically ill the point where you, you can't really do much for them, you can just make them comfortable. Right. So we see a lot of sepsis on a daily basis. Yes. So we're talking about sepsis in the context of HIV and, and TB and, and probably some... Malaria, yeah, yes. Yeah. And the comp these are complicated patients who also come coming with complications, say mm. adrenal insufficiency, mm. acute kidney injury, which the, sometimes the hospital will not be able first to make that diagnosis. Mm. Go, and this is the diagnosis you just look at say, okay, I've tried everything in terms of management of sepsis. So this is a patient who's hypotensive, and then they have got hypoglycemia, and then when you put, and there's a background of TB, so all you, and you don't have electrolytes because the, the laboratory is not working at its best. Right. Yes, so you are stuck in terms of making that Yes. Diagnosis. Well, very so, difficult. Yeah. What other uh, good good point though? What other support services do you have? So when you say the, the pathology service, is that there some of the time, or is it twenty four hours, or it's what's the reality for you? So it's supposed to be twenty four hours, but mm. we don't have as many people to work in the lab. Right. So you find that there's a, always a backlog yeah. of work to be done. So we find that one person is running hematology, biochemistry, yeah. the blood bank, and once yes. and once there's yes. a blood. Match so to be done. I, yeah, you're, you're and, and everything's buggered, right? And, and the fact that we don't have point of care laboratory like an ISTAT, so yeah. you don't have the luxury to have your results yeah. there. And, and do you? What, do you have anything for uh, malaria testing? Do you have point of care for malaria? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So malaria testing is point of care, and that's a the good thing. And we've just tried to incorporate it in our triage system yeah. so that we don't miss out any of those cases. So, <coughs> your how do you? I mean, because triage. It's just a, it's like a, a nursing art, right? It's a really special thing. How, I mean, if you've got one critical care nurse in resource and one critical care nurse everywhere else, I mean, who, who does the triage? I mean, because that's a whole sort of thing that has to be trained up if there isn't a culture of it. Who is your triage person? So when we just started it, because mm. what was there was a disaster triage, which was mm. just a big poster on the wall, and yeah. then the nurses could just read, okay, red, I'm supposed to look for this, uh, yellow, I'm supposed to look for this, green, I'm supposed to look for that. But it didn't tell the doctor who was taking over the patient that these are the vitals for the patient. So right. we've adopted the South African yep. uh, triage call system and then we are, the, we are using it because that one, other than the, 
the, the presentation, what the patient presents with, mm. it's also got those clinical parameters that yep. we're going to use. And um, as much as I would want a nurse on the triage system, as sometimes you find that you are forced to work with students, yep. that's student medical doctors and nurses, and then and if I've got that luxury of having a doctor in the unit that day, mm. then I'll be the one in triage. So, so I would rather have somebody who's most experienced because yep. they can pick up those subtle presentations in yep. critically life-threatening conditions. Look, and I've worked in, in numerous different systems and from the, 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 the simplest to the most complicated, the, the art of being a good triage person is, well, it's incredibly important, isn't it? And, yeah. and you, I don't think you can do it apart from with experience. It has to be somebody that's seen a lot of stuff. Yes. Okay. So now, what, um, what's, what's the sort of future for you? I mean, in terms of like getting your department under control and you've got these sort of, um, the, the, the plan to get the society up and then it's easier to reach out, mm -hmm. what would you like to see happen next? I mean, what, what's your dream for what's happening at Home in Zambia? I would want to make sure that, I would really love to see that um, every hospital has an emergency unit. Yeah. And this means that when we receive the patient, to the time the patient is being dis, uh, sent to the ward or ICU or wherever they're supposed to go, they've received the best care ever. They might not um, have a specialist, but there should be somebody who's there to see the patient to say, okay, I've done my best. Yeah. Yes, because sometimes, because you don't know how to manage something, you've never seen it before, you just look at the patient. Yes, so I would want to at least empower most of the doctors to be at a level where they would have done so many, and then if they do up to that level, they can call somebody to say, okay, so I have this patient, I've done this, what else can I do? Yeah. Yes, so other than just um, working on their own, I want us to also have some kind of telemedicine where somebody can contact people contact, like you, yes. more ex people that have been yeah. doing it a bit longer, absolutely. Yeah. And when you say, uh, at the moment, is a telephone service good? Is it all, it's all mobile phones, is it? In we, yeah, we're using mostly mobile yeah. phones. Yeah, okay. So, that, I mean, obviously, then somebody needs to be available to take that call, because if you're doing chest compressions, let's face it, not the easiest time to take a test telephone call. So, do you think that, um, is there a... Uh, Momentum is the government behind what you're doing. Do you think that there's actually people that believe in you or are actually supporting you, or is at the moment are you a bit like the only person that's sort of sort of shouting and waving and telling people this is good? Okay, I was lucky to uh, to have joined the hospital that I think they were overwhelmed with mortality, mm -hmm. so they just had a resuscitation room um, in place, but they didn't have. Um, a doctor yeah. and they didn't have any systems in place so what when I joined them at least with my we were bringing in doctors because yep. the resuscitation room was one place where the nurses were in charge mm. they were doing essentially most of the things and the doctors would just come and say oh you've done this oh you've done and you find what you find that the nurses actually knew more than what the doctors were supposed to know mm. so now that, um, I, well, since I started working, we, it's a 24-hour cover. Yep. So the doctors are learning how to use the equipment in the unit and then even just like looking at protocols and starting management for patients. And the other, the, the, the governance of the hospital, they, they're supportive that you can, you've got some chance to get the things you ask. You must be asking for new things all the time, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
because you know you're really you're extending the practice really quickly and aggressively. I mean, you know, and I mean a good aggressive in terms. You know, we need this. We need this. We need this. We could do this. He wouldn't have died if we had this. You know, so do you get it? Yes. So um, it's a government hospital. So I'm I'm happy that uh, and I'm lucky that I have bosses who who would like. Well, you you need something. They'll try and see if the finances, yeah. the funds the hospital gets, uh, can well get me such equipment. So far, the hospital has managed to get me an ultrasound, a more portable ultrasound machine. Nice one. I got a donation of an ECG machine. I'm yep. just waiting. Fingers crossed that they give me a, a blood gas machine. Yeah. So that will help uh, patients like tremendously. Right. Fantastic. Yes. Oh. Okay, fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'll just tell everybody the lights just went out in the room we're sitting in, so we're now sitting here in the complete dark. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's thank you for having me. Pleasure to hear a little bit about you. Can you tell me, I'll just read out your Twitter handle, which is at Michiluba, which is sort of your, your name squished together, which is at M-W-I-C-H-I-L-U-B-A, which is a really cool-sounding Twitter handle. <laughs> um, so if you guys want to get in touch with Michi through that, if there's something you can do, maybe you an ultrasound training program could visit and help you train some of the juniors. All sorts of things are, are possible. Um, and through that, if the, uh, you might be able to exchange emails and, and communicate a bit better. I presume Twitter is something that you're quite new to, is it? Uh, been, well, I've been on Twitter for... A good four years now. Ah, so okay, good, okay. So, contact her through Twitter, and then you can do direct messages and so on. And uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a fascinating world. It's you know, it's incredible what you've achieved so far. I hope you don't feel overwhelmed. I know I would. I wouldn't be able to cope. But it's um, it's it's incredible. And best of luck in the future. And thanks for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.